What's going on, quitters? You know what it is. It's another episode of Don't Quit Your Day Job featuring me, your host, Maxim Allen. Today is February 19th, 2021. Trump was acquitted last week. Ooh, history. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And today on the podcast, I am joined by a true quadruple threat. We have a comedian, lead singer of a grindcore band. We have a podcaster, TikToker, therapist. That's I think that's five. Wow. But quintuple, uh, quintuple yeah. threat. <laughs> Audience, please give a warm welcome right now to Gene Meyer. Hey. How's everyone? How are we doing? Thanks for coming out. <laughs> They're all clapping on their commute. I, They're all I very excited. It. Yeah, I can hear it. I can feel it. It's great. Well, uh, thanks for coming on, Gene. I, yeah, no problem. You're like you're like one of the people. Like when I first met you at the open mic at Buka, I was like, man, this guy is fucking cool. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> I have never thought that about anyone I've ever met at any open mic ever. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I just remember you you told some story about like you either vomiting on someone oh, or on yeah. yourself and yeah. then and then you had like you have your straight edge tattoo and I was oh, like yeah. yo he was sober for that you guys don't yeah. realize like <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's I that's a story that I tell <laughs> and when it goes over well it's great but then when it doesn't it's like all right I just wasted three minutes of all of our lives telling you that but you know. Yeah, no, you uh I, I like I remember I riffed on it and then afterward you you ran up to me and you gave me the sticker for your band. Yes. I, st- I still yes. have it in my like sticker box. Nice. <laughs> nice. Very valuable. You should flip it on eBay. Yeah. I'm Hell sure yeah. you could get fifty cents for that. <laughs> Wait, like, and you said you're from Colorado, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we talked about Cause there are uh, a couple of grindcore bands from Colorado that I really like. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them is uh, clinging to the trees of a forest fire, mm-hmm. and the dude from them, Ethan, made Primitive Man. Yes, who are like a big, big deal now. But Primitive Man is more like doom, doomy yeah. sludge. Um, and yeah, that's it <laughs> for yeah. bands from Colorado. There, I mean. <laughs> When when I kind of okay, so I guess this episode listener it, listeners yeah. is uh, kind of more. It's going to be kind of focused on uh, the fact that Gene is the lead uh, quote singer for yes. a grindcore band uh, mm-hmm. called Bandit. Um, yep. Do you have anything else you want to plug up top, real quick? Um, Bandit. I, I've been working on the like you said the War Porn podcast with my friend mm-hmm. Patrick Lawler. I'm on TikTok at Enegrium. <laughs> I it used to be my my actual name, but then someone emailed my boss about a TikTok I made. And Ooh, yeah, that was yeah. So if you're out there, uh, go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I uh, I yeah. Back to what we were talking about, though. Mm-hmm. Like, I kind of got into grindcore. Like, I think like my f- senior year of high school, freshman year of college in Denver. Like, I had a buddy who brought me to. Uh, the Blastomat, which is now Seventh Circle, which was like a like a DIY punk venue, and like I would just go, I wouldn't even know the bands, and mm-hmm. I'd just be like, "It's grindcore night" or "It's doom yeah. night," so this yeah. is what I'm going for. Hell yeah! And That's... so it's 
always interesting when I actually meet someone out in the wild who either like listens to that type of music or is directly involved in it like you are. <laughs> yeah, I um, it's funny because like I got into I've always been into metal, but I didn't really discover grindcore until I was like 18 or 19. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is it. This is like my music, right? Yeah. And that was 10, 11 years ago. And since then, it has just like gotten more and more like exposure. Yeah. Like like 11 years ago, if you told someone you like grindcore, they'd be like, what kind of porn is that? Yeah. Right? <laughs> but nowadays it's like, I mean, you walk around Brooklyn and people are like, oh, yeah, dude, rotten sound. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what the fuck? You know? I think uh, I think nails was like yeah. a big factor. Like nails came out, and it was like, whoa, normal mm-hmm. like pop punk skater kids like grindcore now. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I remember in college, like I, I went to uh, Emerson in Boston. There weren't really a lot of metalheads, but some some kid was like, "You like metal? Do you like nails?" And I was like, "I've never even heard of them." Yeah. So, yeah, that's when I knew. <laughs> that's when I knew the tide was turning, baby. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, where are you from, and what was your kind of first dip into the metal world? So, I, I've told this story before, but I was born in New York, uh, grew up in Connecticut, and then I moved to Philly. And when I was five years old in 1994, my dad joined a CD club. Do, do you know? It's like you sign up with Columbia Records, and they send you three CDs a month, right? Oh, interesting. Yeah, this is like an old folks kind of thing. It's right? like an old folks loot crate, you know? Yeah, this was like, <laughs> this was before the internet, this was before Napster, all this mm-hmm. shit. And he got three CDs. He got a Tracy Chapman CD he kept for himself. He gave my brother a Pearl Jam CD. And then I was five and I said, Dad, what, what, what CD do I get? And he just handed me the last one without looking at it. And it was Rage Against the Machines self-titled Hell yeah. album. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> And like, you know, from there, like as a young kid, I remember really liking like Rage, White Zombie, um, trying to think like Metallica, all of that stuff, Nine Inch Nails. Um, And then as I got more into my teenage years, I, I remember going to my first hardcore show at 15. Do you remember seeing- what the first one was? It was uh, this band from Lansdowne, Pennsylvania, Prevail, who I still absolutely love. I think I've heard of them. Really? They're amazing. And they were opening for this ska core band called Folly from New Jersey, who Hmm. are also really amazing. And it was the first time I saw like windmilling and slam dancing. (laughs) And I was like, this is my shit right here. Yeah. And then... So, you know, I was I was really into like metal, mostly like mainstream metalcore type of stuff. And then when I was around 18 or 19, I read Albert Mudrian's book, Choosing Death. Um, he went on to form Decibel Magazine, which I oh, now okay. write for. And I, oh, I didn't I, realize you wrote for them. That's cool. Yeah, I write for their website. It's, oh. you should ch- listeners, check out Blast Worship. It's it's a <laughs> weekly yeah, it's it's I call it writing. Um, <laughs> and then I uh, two really important albums came my way was first was None So Vile by Cryptopsy, which mm-hmm. 
to this day is I think the greatest death metal band or death metal album of all time, like bar none. But then I remember I um I was doing community service because I got arrested over the summer. Mm-hmm. And I I went to FYE. <laughs> Do you remember? it was a CD store? I, I'm oh, dating okay. myself here. I'm dating myself. Okay, because I'm I was born in '94, so Ugh, I'm, I missed a lot of the the CD. Stuff. Okay. Do you know what a CD is? Of course. Okay. All right. <laughs> I it's remember. Like... I remember when Virgin Records was okay. just a CD store, and I remember when that store existed. So yeah. Okay. I... <laughs> okay. All right. And I, I had read about in Albert's book, I stole Prowler in the Yard by Pig Destroyer. <laughs> and I remember driving around in my mom's van, doing some like community service at a church and listening to that album and was like, I was just blown away. And I was like, this, this is it. This is grindcore. Yeah. I love it. And then I, you know, that paralleled with like a really intense Adderall addiction. I got really obsessive. I would like go through the relapse um, mail catalog, looking up band names, and then mm-hmm. I would like search to see if they had a MySpace, right? Whoa. <laughs> yeah, dude. I got deep, like in the dark web of shitty music. That's... So what, like coming from kind of listening to like, kind of like more mainstreamish metal and then kind of getting into like death metal, what was mm-hmm. the step to grindcore? Why did, why do you feel, feel it like appealed to you so much? I, I think that like, it it's just so repulsive and <laughs> and so i like growing up i always had an ear for really like weird dissonant music my favorite band of all time is primus and so mm-hmm. in high school i liked a lot of like avant-garde shit and grind is like like it's not even really about like the notes that are being played it's just the cacophony that's yeah. being like shoveled on you right it's just like a wall of sound it's just chaos and i really like that and like i really well i also really love the short songs like oh (laughs) and for the for the listeners who don't know uh like some classic grindcore albums are like 20 songs long and they total at like eight minutes eight minutes yeah yeah Yeah, absolutely (laughs) uh and and there's just like I, i just loved how it's it exists in this place that's just so alienating to everyone because most metalheads don't like mm-hmm. it most people into punk don't like it and it, it it's just like it borders on noise at times and it's just it's just so hateful yeah <laughs> i love it it's like it's i think because i i kind of got into it for the same reasons in that like i was into metal. All my buddies were into metal, like Lamb of God and Pantera. Mm-hmm. Like I love new metal, like Corn and Slipknot. Yes, and all this. baby. <laughs> and then I started pushing like heavier and heavier. Exactly. And I got into like black metal and like slam death metal and stuff. And then when I saw like a grind or grindcore show the first time, it was like, whoa! So this is the peak. Like this exactly. is this exactly. is as like violent as you can get it. Like. I remember listening to, I had a cassette of, I think it was Roscop, Death of Self, which are like two grind bands from Denver. Dude, Death of Self, that's that's one of the bands Ethan was in. Oh, really? I didn't even know that. Dude, I of <laughs> all his projects, I fucking love Death of Self. That so good. Is, oh my God. And I, I was driving my stepdad's 
Lexus, like a pretty Hell nice yeah. car. It was like older and I had the cassette in and I was listening to it so loud it broke mm. the stereo. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I just remember it was one of the like the one of these songs just start off with the sample and it goes cops don't like me and I don't like cops and then it's just like <laughs> an explosion <laughs> of the grind. Yeah. And yeah, it's like yeah. it's so I don't know. And like like seeing it like hearing it is one thing but when Mm -hmm. you go to a show and you're just in that energy it's yeah it's so much more it's incredibly like it it, nothing can match how unbelievably intense it is like Mm -hmm. it's and like it it almost ruins other shows for me (laughs) like i remember a couple of years ago i actually went to see primus Mm -hmm. and it was at the festival pier a bunch of my friends wanted to go and i was like this is cool but it's not overwhelming yeah right (laughs) and i want to like i wanted todd jones from nails to come out and be like fucking kill each other and then just like (laughs) you know yeah i think that i definitely feel that like i exclusively went to like low low like small metal and grindcore shows for a number of years and then yeah. i had a buddy a friend i met in college and he was like hey do you want to come to see this band railroad earth with me which is like bluegrass oh yeah yeah and i was like all right sure i like going to shows that sounds like fun i'll try out something new and we're in this big venue and everyone is standing like four feet apart like they have like wiggle room they can like everyone has room to like breathe and just yep. i'm like no one is on my head and no one is shoving me like this I is know. weird <laughs> no the weirdest the weirdest for me was my friend got front row tickets to elton john <laughs> and she must have paid like 500 dollars for them and i was like i was falling asleep <laughs> it was so weird it's just it's weird. It's like a drug. It's like once you have a certain intensity, you know, nothing else can really match up to that. Totally, totally. So how long were you kind of just going to shows and like watching bands before you started playing in bands? So I, um, you know, I, I, I had a brief period where I was at home and I was heavily addicted to Adderall and I would go to shows Mm-hmm. I was desperate to be in a band. Um, and then I ended up at Emerson and finished uh, my college education there. Mm-hmm. And that's where I started doing comedy. I started my own sketch group. And, um, you know, I started writing. Like, I started a Facebook blog, but I wasn't so much going to shows as much because I was focused on going to school and mm-hmm. doing the sketch group. And then I I came, uh, I graduated, I moved back in with my parents, and then I stopped drinking. And I was like, okay, well, now what? And then yeah. I, I was like, okay, I should, I, sh- I need something to do, so I'm going to start going to shows again. Mm-hmm. And two weeks in, I saw Magruder Grind was playing in Philly. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Hell yeah. <laughs> so I I went straight from my outpatient group therapy rehab session <laughs> to this <laughs> this anarchist library in West Philadelphia to see Magruder Grind play. <laughs> and I remember during the middle of their set, 
a guy in a wheelchair, I think he like lived upstairs. <laughs> so mm-hmm. he had to like get like scooter through the crowd and everyone was like really accommodating and all that. Um, but then after the show, I was just talking to people and I met Jack, who's now the guitarist in Bandit. And Bandit had opened that show and Jack was the one who had organized it. Mm-hmm. And I was just because like, even back then, like meeting other people into grind it was like specifically who knew like grind. Like we talked about insect warfare and all that. Yeah. You know, especially because he lived near me. That was I was like, OK, I need to stay in contact with this person. Mm-hmm. And so he said that they were playing in Westchester later that month. And I was like, cool, I will go see I will go see any grindcore band. And yeah. so there I started. Like, that's when I, like, started really going to shows and, like, becoming a part of the scene. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it just morphed into... So I remember that uh, Jack sent me Bandit's music, and to be honest, I really didn't like it. (laughs) Right? (laughs) I was like, this just sounds like bad nails, (laughs) you know? But they had one song that was, like, a slow, hardcore song that I really Mm. liked. They said, oh, we end every show with it... uh, why don't you sing it for us? And mm. I was like, yeah. And I'll never forget. So it was that winter. They're playing this coffee shop in Westchester, Pennsylvania. And I was nervous. Yeah. I had never like really, I mean, I'd been in other bands, but nothing like this. Mm-hmm. And so I ran, they were like, all right, this is the last song. Gene, get up here. And I grabbed the mic and I went like, poof, poof, twice in my forehead. <laughs> And I didn't realize it had cut the skin and there was like blood coming down my face. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> and I did the song and then I stepped off the stage and I saw my neighbor had a daughter who was there. And I just turned to her and I said, don't tell my parents I did that. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was great. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And then... <laughs> Following that, I asked to be in the band, and they said no. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, fine. And I just kept doing the one song. But then um, their old drummer uh, left. Their bass player switched to drums, and they were like, we want to be a three-piece, and we want you to be the vocalist. So, um, And it's been all magic ever since. Yeah. How long ago was that? So I officially joined. I think that was... I want to say like March of 2016. Okay, wow, it's been a while. Yeah, uh, I remember we played a show in in uh, just some house in Hoboken. Yeah, and they like it was very cute. It was like prom when you ask someone to prom, they took me in the lawn and said, "Do you want to be in this band?" <laughs> and I was like, "Yes, yay!" <laughs> it was fun. It was a good time. That's awesome. So mm-hmm. y- you just do vocals, right? Yeah, um, I I do vocals. I write all the lyrics. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are working on a new album, and I have been like picking and editing the samples. Okay, cool. Which I'm weirdly very proud of. Um, <laughs> I we we're still going back and forth on this, but I want to open the album with a sample from The Office. Oh, really? <laughs> because, like, it, it's just, like, 
you know, I was watching The Office the other day. Like, I'm sure everyone has been at least five mm-hmm. times during this quarantine. And Michael Scott said something that I was like, if I had heard that and it wasn't in a sitcom, it would be like very dark and haunting. <laughs> so. What was it? He He's talking about the American dream. Mm-hmm. Because like he had tried to get another job and he had failed. And he says, you know, but that's the thing about the American dream. You can just go to sleep and try it all again the next night. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> shit, dude. Dude, I think it's that's an amazing sample. To yes, play. thank you. But, but Jack is all like, oh, people are just going to say, oh, that's Michael Scott. You like, could Jack, always you like art, man. You could always like, uh, like pitch tune it. You could like change the pitch and stretch it or something. Yeah, make it like. <laughs> And that's the thing about the American dream. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like he's being interviewed on like mm-hmm. a cr- like sixty minutes. Like. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that's dope. I I always thought that would be like such a fun part of like these bands. Like I don't know what it is, but it's like in like most genres of metal, there are no samples until mm-hmm. you get to like slam death metal and grindcore and then bands just go crazy they're like we're doing all the movie quotes all the serial killer interviews yes yes (laughs) it is it is interesting there are certain albums that i consider like favorites of mine where i don't know what the lyrics are but like the samples sort of set the tone yeah you know there's Mm -hmm. this band we actually got to uh play with called graph orlock Okay. Who all like every song has a movie sample in it mm-hmm. and all their lyrics are actually dialogue from 90s action movies. <laughs> They're amazing. And they like they use it as like an art form to like have their music say like stuff about like politics and society. It's really mm-hmm. interesting. That's that's pretty clever. I think yeah. that's one of those things also that stands out to me is a lot of gimmicks, a lot of weird oh, gimmick yeah. bands. <laughs> yeah. There's, uh, so there's, you know, Hate Beak, the band with the parrot as yep. the singer, um, which is, <laughs> that band is uh, run by Blake, uh, who's the sound guy from Pig Destroyer. <laughs> there was a band that had a dog for a singer that I actually mm-hmm. really liked. They're called Caninus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there was a band where some guy had his grandma do vocals. What? Grindmother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's tight. <laughs> what a name, Grindmother. Uh, yeah. I love that. <laughs> and, and another cool thing that I, I really like about Grindcore is like, because it's so fringe, there's a lot of room for experimentation. Totally. Like, right now, one of my favorite bands is called Hong Kong Fuck You. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's drums and just two guys playing bass. Whoa. And it's sick. It's it's so <laughs> cool. And like, you know, a, a lot of ba- a lot of classic grindcore bands just didn't have a bass player. It was just yeah. guitar, drums and vocals. Um and then there are like, you know, John Zorn in the early days of grind would do like albums with the drummer from Napalm Death mm-hmm. and like th- there's it, you know, I know death metal has its fair amount of experimentation, but like grind is like so 
you it's it's funny a lot of people find the genre like limiting because it has mm. to be a certain way but i think the really creative people find ways to use those limitations to push them to make something unique yeah absolutely have you seen the the clown core on adult swim no oh my god it's <laughs> You got to look up clown core after this, okay, but it's okay. it's like a grind thing, but it's uh, in a porta potty. There's two <laughs> dudes in jumpsuits and clown masks, and there's one dude playing drums, and one dude has a saxophone and like a mini keyboard. And then oh, just, okay, <laughs> it's it's just madness, but it's it's like an amazing like piece. It's like yeah, this is grind core, like in its own yep. way. <laughs> yeah, and and the beauty of grind is that like. It, it's so like it, it's filled with a lot of contradictions and it can yeah. be whatever the fuck you want it to be. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. I think that's kind of fun because it's like like I think at the core of the music is the intensity mm -hmm. and like the energy it brings. So yes. the lyrics and the gimmicks kind of falls to the side of the energy. And but exactly. it's also kind of fun when you take a moment to acknowledge what's really happening there. Yes. I, I think you're right. It's the core of it is intensity, speed, but you can do that in so many ways, you yeah. know? And like, the, it, it, it's funny in a lot of, like, we, uh, we filmed a studio session uh, for Sonny from Hate Five Six in October, and he posted on his Instagram, and all these like nerds came out of the woodwork and were like, this isn't real grindcore. <laughs> Where the black beat? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> and I just, I made a tweet, which I found oddly profound. I said, not being grindcore is pretty grindcore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? So. Yeah, I think, because when, especially like when you kind of, first get involved in the scene you think all the grindcore fans are like sweaty crust punks with yeah. like a million piercings and then i would meet people that are just like totally just white collar office employees who yes. are just who you just go to a show and you're like what is that guy doing and then they're just rocking out you're like oh yeah this is like yeah i had yeah. a i had a buddy say something like that to me like so early in my like musical development it was probably like eighth grade or it was ninth grade and he used to have a big mohawk and he used to dress all like punk and stuff and he got rid of it in 10th grade he goes i just realized that punk isn't the way you dress punk is in your heart and i was exactly. like exactly oh my god i love it it's so profound and we are children <laughs> yeah no it's it's true like you know that's why people who do get caught up like in the fashion and stuff or nowadays i'm seeing on tiktok like people getting caught up in the politics of it i'm just mm -hmm. like to me it's always been about like freedom and just do whatever yeah. you want you know and as soon as you try to define that you, like you're kind of losing the whole point of it right you know? exactly like i used to god i would sometimes come straight from my like internships like doing social work <laughs> to like play with <laughs> bandit i'd be in like khakis and shit <laughs> But but and and I'd show them people would be like, what's this guy doing here? And then I'd be like playing with them and like rolling around and puking everywhere and they'd be like, Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> so you know? 
do you do you remember your first show with bandit where you're doing the whole set um so yes uh it so it was the new jersey show where they asked me to be in the band because what had happened was the drummer couldn't make it so michael was gonna play drums and neither michael nor jack really liked doing vocals okay and so they asked me to do all the songs as opposed Mm -hmm. to just the last one and it was it was in it was in some town in new jersey it was like a suburban neighborhood where the punks had just bought a house (laughs) (laughs) and we were playing with uh this band sick shit who are amazing punk band and ground who are like I love Ground. Our drummer Michael is now the bass player in Ground, but I I knew about Ground since like 2012. They're just like beat down hardcore mixed mm-hmm. with grind, right? And they asked me to do all the vocals, and I remember I wore dress shoes, <laughs> and I <laughs> I got out of the car, and Jack said, "You look like a fucking style clown." <laughs> <laughs> Which really hurt my feelings. (laughs) And, um, you know, it was in a basement. There was like, like 30 to 40 people there and we're playing and I'm just going nuts. I'm going nuts. I'm like pushing people, pushing like Phil Pernt from ground and he's like two stepping. And it just, it felt, but it was weird because I wasn't officially in the band yet. Yeah. But it was like, it was like a tryout almost. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And like, so I'm just like rolling around, do my crazy thing. And then we finish and Mike Mayo, the guitar player in ground was like, you should be their singer. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, fuck yeah, I should. And then they took me upstairs, Jack and Michael, and were like, hey, do you want to be in this band? And I was like, hell yeah. But Jack, you got you can't hurt my feelings like that anymore. <laughs> and then we went down to see Sick Shit play, and there was this weird 40-year-old crust punk who got naked. Oh man. <laughs> and I was like, what the hell's going on? And someone said, Oh yeah, that's that's he does that. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> but it, yeah, it was a great night. Um, but I think the first I guess the first show, showy McShow show was mm-hmm. we did a, a, like a small tour in the South. <laughs> and the first night we played in North Carolina with this band Priapus, who I love, like great death grind. And it's like in this like rinky dink, like vegan coffee shop. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> so as soon as we start playing i run in the crowd i yank the mic out of the cable and at the end of the song i threw it into michael's symbol and it dented the symbol (laughs) and everyone got pissed off (laughs) and and i i had to give the sound guy like 40 bucks to fix the microphone oh man yeah (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) do you bring your own mics now i was for a while but it it got really expensive, but I might do it again now that I have a job. So, 
Yeah. That's that's amazing. Yeah. I, I know like you, you talk about it in your stand up that you are like a fully in the crowd lead singer, like pushing and stuff. And I I remember being at shows where that would happen. And it was always intense because there would be guys who would manage to keep the mic plugged in, and then yeah. everyone is spinning and just tripping around the cable the whole oh, time. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, there have been times, to- like, it's weird. Like, I'll run in the crowd, start pushing people, and then people get tangled up in the mic cable, and I'll get pissed acting like it's their fault. <laughs> right? I'm like, oh, this fucking asshole had to stand here and fucking play hula hoop with the goddamn mic cable, and now I have to knock him over. <laughs> Even though it's like, it's 100% my fault. So. 100%. <laughs> yeah. It's completely unavoidable in that yeah. type of situation. Yeah. Exactly. And I, I feel like, I was going to ask you, like, do you have any, like, standout crazy show antics that have happened? Or, like, I'm sure there's a lot, but how do you like to pick what you do during your set? What do you kind of go for in terms of like physical engagement? Like, so, you know, I, I remember the first year I was in Bandit, I would get so nervous before our shows because I thought I'm going to die. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was just like, I'm going to hurt myself. Like, I broke my wrist punching the floor i you know would punch holes in walls and you know now i know a little more through trial and error like it has been a year since we've played so Mm. i i don't know um but i i one thing i would do is like first of all you have to gauge the people who run the venue right yeah and like if they seem cool and if we bring a lot of people you can do a lot you can get away with a lot right (laughs) but if there's this weird like apprehension Mm -hmm. and and also what i like to do is like look at the crowd and be like who's gonna be into this like who's gonna be about it um and then you know i try not to like break uh other people's equipment i will break our equipment um but (laughs) i like i will one time we were playing a a, a house show in philly and i asked the woman who ran the house i said do you have any ikea furniture i could smash (laughs) and she was like oh i have this little table and i was like perfect so (laughs) it's yeah and i mean like i don't I, I, it's really, it's funny, like, in stand-up, you want to go in with a game plan. You know, yeah. you're like, I'm going to tell this joke, and it'll make this group of people laugh, and then I'll, like, transition into this bit, and then I'll tell this story, and maybe I'll riff a little. With Bandit, it's like, I'm just going to feel it out. I'm yeah. going to feel it out. And, you know, wh- when the crowd is really feeling it, you can get away with a lot right totally but when the crowd is not feeling it i'm still gonna go nuts but i'm not gonna like i don't know i'm not gonna knock beers out of people's hands unless i'm really pissed (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's like it's like a lot i i always thought like 
in in comedy, my dream would to be uh, do a comedy show where it ends up like the Slipknot duality video. Yes. Yes. I don't know how you could make those conditions, but I want a house to be destroyed for stand-up comedy. Absolutely. But I totally... I totally get what you're saying though. I think like you sometimes like having gone to a lot of like house shows and stuff. Sometimes you're like, there are four people who live in this house and mm-hmm. they just barely keep it together and they <laughs> yeah. want to give back to the scene. So like, all right guys, if you're going to mosh, just keep it light, just push mm-hmm. whatever. And then there's mm-hmm. sometimes that you go to a show and they're like, this is a literal trap house and you can yep. break every single thing in here. Like it yes. doesn't matter. We, uh, we used to play, I really cut my teeth with the band because we would play at this this basically crack house in Philly called the Black House. Mm-hmm. And I would just punch holes in the wall like you would not believe. <laughs> <laughs> at one point, I just jammed the mic stand into the wall and just like scraped it across to make a line. <laughs> it, it was so much fun. It was so much fun. <laughs> that's amazing yeah like i think that's one of those things like for anyone who's like not into like punk or metal music if you have a friend that's going to like small like house shows and like metal even if you're not a fan of the genre you gotta go mm-hmm. just to see the antics and feel the energy like it's yes. something to really just totally be appreciated absolutely and like it sucks because now we're like getting a little bit bigger and we're playing real venues, which is yeah. cool because there's more people there. But like when I play a real venue, here's one thing I don't like. I don't like going to a metal show and people just hang out around the bar and mm-hmm. they're just wearing their like death spiritual healing t-shirts just to look cool and shit. Yeah. I fucking hate that shit. And so my goal when I play those venues is I'm going to run into the bar area and I'm going to make you fucking uncomfortable. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's like, if you want to go to a bar and get drunk and try to pick up women, like, just, you know, be a finance bro, yeah. right? <laughs> and I, I like, I like, like, to me, the whole reason I go to shows and like we were talking about earlier is the intensity, is the experience mm-hmm. of it. And I hate going to see it doesn't feel like a real show if everyone's just standing there. Yeah. It used to drive me crazy, like going to shows and then like moshing all night and then seeing the the people, the older guys in the back who stand there with their arms crossed and yeah. they just look like they're having no fun. Yeah. And like, you're right about bigger venues is like when you actually play a real theater or something, people can just fuck off and be in the mm-hmm. back. But mm-hmm. when you're in like, a two-person garage or like yep. a unfinished basement there's nowhere to run and you exactly. are gonna be involved like <laughs> yeah it's it's great uh i <laughs> i knew something was amiss when last year i went to see my friend's band chapong um who are mm-hmm. uh uh himalayan immigrants they have two drummers they're amazing whoa and yeah they have two drummers who play the exact same thing it's really weird <laughs> And they were playing at St. Vitus. And I was like, fuck yeah. And I went and I was like one of two people moshing. Mm. And then afterwards, some guy was like, um, you knocked my beer out of my hand. Can you pay me for it? And I was like, fuck you. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Like, I just hate that shit. I always like 
I I used to mosh so hard, and now I I don't have the stamina for it, and I mm-hmm. don't like getting sweaty, like and yeah. just getting dirty and getting spilled on. But I always play the role of what I I have named border patrol, which yep. is when you're on the edge of the pit and you you're there enough to like push people and keep them in the circle, but you're not like scared in a way, you know? Yeah, no, that's that is like the perfect spot because you're still part of it but you're not like you're not like running around mm-hmm. um and and like you, you get a really good view of the band because in front of you like the pit doesn't have a like the actual mosh pit doesn't it has the best visibility lines so yeah. you can see the band the best mm-hmm. and that's like that's the position I'll I'll be in if like we're playing a show, but it's the openers, and I'm just like, I want to see them, but I'm trying to preserve energy, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I fuck with that. Yeah, and I think after a while, I started to get really into, like, I, I like, realized, I was like, I feel like I could write, like, a whole, like, 50 or 60 page book just on like mosh pit fluid dynamics yes be like yes. all right listen here here's when it's like not safe to be in the pit here's mm-hmm. when it's safe here's when it's safe and fun and here's yeah. when you're gonna die like yeah i well there were there were times where it's like if you like i remember going to a show one time and i was so excited to like go and mosh all night and the pit was three people it was one like no shit like the seven foot tall crust punk like i was six one at the time and this dude was like a full foot ahead of me and then his two much shorter friends in the five five range and he was he had them on his forearms and he was like spinning around in circles with them and i was like no 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 i'm not (laughs) i don't want any part of this (laughs) it also it it really depends on what types of shows you're going to because if you go like i if you go to the like hardcore shows like they are just trying to hurt people yeah it's insane yeah (laughs) and then like like if you go to a thrash show like a circle pit is just about it's not you're not trying to hurt anyone you're just you're just running and pushing and yeah so it, it depends last year i saw jesus peace in brooklyn and there was just like a gang there. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> but they would like try to start pit fights, but like no one was having it, you know? Yeah. It, Ooh. Was, it was weird. It was very weird. <laughs> one of one of the weirdest ones I, I saw, I went and saw um Red Fang in Denver. I don't know if you know mm-hmm. them. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Like sludge metal, really fun. But they keep playing the show where it's like an annual like snowboard video release show Mm -hmm. so there's like this like film company and you go to the show they play the 30 minute snowboard film and like everyone there is like half the crowd is metalheads to see red fang and half the crowd is just random snowboarder bros (laughs) and so every time i've gone to the show which was like two or three times because it was just like annual i would go and the pit would just be these like snowboarder guys who had never been to a metal show seeing the pit and just choosing to like crab lock heads with each other and just like fighting people i was like this isn't even fun you guys are just like beating each other up on the floor <laughs> like yeah yeah that's wild man Dude, are they from crazy. denver red fang? no red fang is portland uh, okay. that was where they got their start but i i like back when i was going to a ton of shows like 
Denver kind of became a hub for like mm-hmm. doom and like sludge metal and like really kind of groovy hardcore. So it just that was they had like a really intense fan base. Like I don't know how it happened, but Denver just ended up a place with like a bazillion metalheads. That's no, I mean it's probably all because of Ethan. Like he mm-hmm. made that scene and I mean really the only other band I could think of from Colorado is Cephalic Carnage. Oh, that was my first concert ever. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, yeah. they're great. They're great, man. They they played their I remember it was that was a weird show because it was like a bunch of like hardcore bands opening and then it was them. <laughs> and so there was like a bunch of hardcore kids, a bunch of metal heads. And it was like every time like the like a drop would happen in a song or like a breakdown or anything, like a bunch of kids would jump in the pit and the metal heads would be pushing and the hardcore uh, kids would be flailing. And it yeah. just it would be like security would jump in the pit like every single song to pull two people apart. They just like kept going at it. Those shows where there's like mixed bills between hardcore bands and metal bands. Those are when you get the most fights mm-hmm. because metalheads hate hardcore dancing. Oh yeah. And like I saw <laughs> Hatebreed play with Dying Fetus. Whoa. And yeah, I actually took my my little sister to it and <laughs> there were like it was just like ignorant metalheads versus like tough guys in Ed Hardy t-shirts. <laughs> They're just like fighting. Everyone's wearing like a Punisher flat brim hat. It yep. was like, it was so, and I was just like, I'm just trying to protect my sister. Like, I don't give yeah. a <laughs> Oh, it was great. Hatebreed is funny because I know more about Hatebreed fans than I do about the actual band Hatebreed. Really? I've never listened to one of their songs, but I can picture every truck and every dirt bike oh, yeah. I've seen that sticker on. <laughs> yeah. They like, I mean, they started out in the hardcore scene, but like mm-hmm. they've like really gotten like, I hate to say it, but like a, there were a lot of uh, Blue Lives Matter shirts at that show. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So when you are when you're uh, creating music with Bandit and you guys are doing your thing, do you have any direct inspirations or like any other bands that you kind of like look up to? So are you talking like musically, lyrically? Yeah, both? whatever you're feeling. So Jack and I uh, and, you know, Michael, uh, our drummer, really loves Slam. Hell yeah. He, uh, when Waking the Cadaver reformed, he was their bass Mm -hmm. player. Um, he likes Grind too, but I, I get the feeling he's more about Slam. Jack and I really love Grind. Um, our, like our primary influence is Pig Destroyer. Okay. Um, And it's like, it's so amazing how like, like I grew up like idolizing them and now they're like my friends. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, Jack's guitar playing has switched a lot. Like when I joined, it was like a pretty like punk power violence kind of sound. And now it's like our new album is like very technical. Um, Jack has been listening to a lot of like Meshuggah, Car Bomb, mm-hmm. um, a lot of Tech Death. I'm the one who probably listens to the most just pure grindcore. Because yeah. I have to keep up with it for the Decibel article. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... You know, like, and I, we both really appreciate how with Pig Destroyer and, and to a lesser extent, 
uh, this band Discordance Axis from New Jersey. Mm-hmm. They're like the two bands who um, lyrically, like they're the only grind bands whose lyrics I've really looked up and have studied. Yeah. Um, every other band is like, the government sucks. <laughs> I like weed. Yeah. You know, which is cool. Um, but then I, I was like, for me, lyrically, every album we write, I like to have a theme, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it helps me to like conceptualize because otherwise it's hard to be like, well, I'm going to write a song about this thing. Right. This other thing. It's sort of like with comedy where, yeah, you write just random one liners, but you also have like, here's the thing I want to do some some jokes about. Right, right. right. And it's funny how this process has happened at the same time that I've like gotten further and further in the field of mental health. Mm -hmm. And that has like really like influenced me. Like the first, the first album I did with them was self-inflicted. And that was while I was working at a rehab and also an early recovery myself. So all those songs are about sobriety, drug addiction, um, alcoholism and all that. The, the next album, Warsaw, I was getting my master's and learning a lot about intergenerational trauma. Mm-hmm. So I decided to write about the trauma in my family. Uh, you know, both sides of my family come from like Holocaust survivors and how that sort of echoed down through the oh, wow. generations. And now this new album we're working on is like... It's funny. I initially was like, all right, I want to write about all of my failed relationships. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then the more I wrote about it, I was like, oh, no, this is just about my depression. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's funny, like now I'm working as a therapist. I'm learning all new theories. I'm working with a lot of people. And all of that is like super influential in the lyrics i'm writing mm-hmm. and i i just really like all three albums have felt like you know even though they're not a concept album they have like a overarching theme to them yeah so i think I that's like that's what produces the best albums though is like yeah a- like if between albums you can tell it's the same band and the same vibe, but then every album has its own structure and like unique thing to it. Yeah. I, I was thinking the other day, like, it, you know, growing up, I, I loved Pink Floyd and they only had one like true concept album, the wall. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, like dark side of the moon. It's, it's not, a concept album per se, but it feels very unified, you know? Yeah. And there are like reoccurring themes, but like, you know, they also have a song just about money, right? Mm-hmm. Or they have like an instrumental, but like it, it's, it sort of revolves around the theme of like mental illness. Yeah. You know, and the same with wish you were here where, you know, they have these like, weird diversions but ultimately it's an album about sid barrett yeah you know because i think i think doing like a hard concept album 
is some like prog rock nerd shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like leave that to sticks or whoever. <laughs> I'm a I'm a huge uh, Gojira is one of my favorite yep. metal bands yep. of all time. And they they have been known for their concept albums. Like yeah. very very thematic, very like this is we're writing about whales and yeah, spaces yeah, for this yeah. one. Okay, this one we're writing about this one book that came out in 1850 or yeah, whatever. Yeah, like <laughs> exactly. No, so the reason, like you know, I'll say for me, Pig Destroyer is really Pig Destroyer and a little bit of Discordance Axis are lyrically the only bands I really take lyrical inspiration from. Mm-hmm. Jr. is like an amazing. He writes like these beautiful, dark, perverted poems that are like really reflective of his inner torment and like very colorful language that really influenced me. Um, I actually, I took uh, a pig destroyer song and I read it to my poetry class in college (laughs) and they all got really offended. (laughs) It was amazing. It was amazing. Um, And yeah. And like even the, like Prowler in the Yard and Terrifier and Phantom Limb all kind of fall into that. Not quite a concept album, but like they're the only band like them, Discordance Axis, to a lesser extent, Nazem, where it's like, it's not just a collection of jams. It's like there's a statement being made here. Right. Which I really like. Um, and I, I think a lot of really great metal band like converge with jane doe Mm -hmm. like that's that's like a statement yeah you know and i i just think it's so interesting to like take like we were talking about earlier this music that has such artistic limitations to it and try to say something like profound with it right you know it's like and also uh what's interesting is paying paying attention to the lyrics and a message when someone who goes to that show and doesn't have, has never listened to it or looked up any of the lyrics or anything is not going to understand a fucking word. Exactly. Like. <laughs> and when we play live, like I miss half of the lyrics. You yeah. Know? Cause I'm just like, I'm dropping the mic or I'm just out of breath. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> it's like some of the, like I've seen some of the like clips you've posted on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I don't know how anyone could be that active for like a full like 20 or 30 minute yeah. set or whatever. It's so much. Well, we first of all, our sets are like 12 to 15 minutes. Wow. And even even there, I feel like let's cut down a song or two. <laughs> do you do you cut down the time every year that goes by? Like, yes. oh, my joints are feeling it. Yes. <laughs> no, there's like. Like Jack really likes playing this song Chestahova, which is the last mm. song on Warsaw, which is like it's a great song. I really like the lyrics. It has a good groove. But I'm always like, bro, let's just let's cut it. It's a minute and a half, which feels very long for me. <laughs> Come on, dude. Kill me here. <laughs> I one time saw this band called Black Sheep Wall. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I love their first album. It's amazing. And we me and my buddies saw them when they were touring for that album. And one of their one of the songs, I can't remember the name of it, but it has like a sol it's like a twelve minute song. And like eight of those minutes are just like guitar like chugging like riffs mm-hmm. and there's no vocals. 
And during that time, the the vocalist just went behind the speakers and their amps, laid down, and smoked a bowl, and then came <laughs> out and passed weed around the crowd while they nice. were just riffing the end of the song. Nice. And I was like, he's straight up taking a break. Yeah, back there. dude. <laughs> no, uh, I said earlier my favorite band is Primus, and every every time I've seen them, they'll do. There's like a ten minute drum solo. Mm-hmm. And that's because you know the other two are just backstage taking a shit or yep. doing what they have to do. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, Gojira does the same thing. They've got like a long drum solo, but what gets me is the drums are so intense for the whole set that mm-hmm. the drummer isn't actually getting a break. He just does more work for a little period of time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the other two can blow their nose or whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so. How how does um how do you do you feel like as time goes on you engage like less and less physically with your performance? Do you think you're you over time you kind of dial it back or do you hold yourself up to like I want to be smashing stuff and going crazy all the time? Well, you know, I'll say this. So we we played our last show a year ago, right? Roughly a year ago. And, you know, that was, that was a show at a skate park and it ended when someone got thrown into the drum set and Jack (laughs) fell down a flight of stairs. Oh, wow. (laughs) And I, I don't, I don't ever, you know, I've waited a year and, you know, we'll probably have to wait longer, but, Mm -hmm. and, and since then I've gotten, I, I, I had a bad shoulder. I got it fixed through surgery. I had a herniated disc. I'm still healing from that, but absolutely not. Absolutely (laughs) not. I don't, I don't like when we recorded that studio session in October, Mm -hmm. I basically had to stand there because there was no room. Yeah. And it just felt weird. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then finally we ended and we had our our merch guy come in and and we fought and that felt cool <laughs> but no i i think you know after this break i'm going to come back crazier than ever right yeah and like there are shows like we've gone on like brief tours and mm-hmm. let's say like you know the second show out of 3 beforehand i'll i'll say to jack you know what? I really want to take it easy tonight. I want to save something in the tank for tomorrow. And then we start playing. And I just go fucking insane. You know, <laughs> like I, it's just, it's just so inherent to the performance. Yeah. And I, I, I don't, I'm going to do this for as long as I can. And, you know, I'm keeping my body in good shape. And like, <laughs> that's, that's the beautiful thing about hardcore metal is like, you'll see like 50 year old dudes in the pit, you yeah. know? And like, like we went on tour with a, a band in California called Fissure. Mm-hmm. And, um, their, their vocalist told me he was like pushing 40. Oh, wow. But he does like yoga and he looks amazing <laughs> and they go hard as fuck. Yeah. And I was like, that's exactly what I want to do. Wow. Exactly. So, <laughs> That's dope. I feel yeah. like it's kind of funny because I think of like like punk like lead singers. I almost think of them as like 
they do more than like WWE wrestlers. Yes. Like it's yeah. all the cuts, it's all the drops, it's all the slams, but none of it is fake. Yes. <laughs> yes, and we and and we're usually not on steroids. I can't right. <laughs> I can't speak for the dude from Harm's Way, but no, usually, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the most ginormous human to ever yeah. hold a microphone. Yeah. He's I, I I love the guy. I love that band. Um, I will say I was surprised by how short he is. He's short. <laughs> he's, I, I went to see them live and he's, he's kind of a short guy. Wow. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? He's jacked and he's yeah. a sweetheart. So, <laughs> and his band fucking rules. And his so. band fucking rules, man. Oh my God. <laughs> so, so one thing I've always kind of like thought was interesting about you is I guess I didn't realize you were a therapist until like sometime like last year. And like you told it in one of your jokes. And I thought you were you you have a story about one of the people, one of your clients and oh, talking yeah. like, oh, I heard this guy from Bandit's a shithead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. I thought that was just like a, a joke, a joke. or I misconstrued it where you were talking to someone else. I didn't realize that you were the therapist in that situation. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. And what I've kind of wondered about since then is what, like, now that you're a therapist and you, like, are kind of involved in counseling and this type of stuff, what role do you think, like, grindcore music fills in your, like, emotional life? Like, it, do you find it to be therapeutic or just an outlet? Or how does that, how does that kind of play in? So, you know, for me, like I said, like, I, I had a really bad drug and alcohol problem, right? Mm -hmm. And I quit. Um, like three days before I turned 25 mm -hmm. and I, you know, for me, I felt like drugs and alcohol were a way to get my intensity out. Mm -hmm. And once that was taken away, I needed an outlet for that yeah. energy. And so I started going to shows and just going insane. And then being in this band, like it's, it's interesting. It's, I realized that, you know, the substances were just an illusion mm -hmm. because all I ever wanted to do was beat people up. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I distinctly remember the night I turned 21, I went to this bar near me. It was like a real yuppie bar and I was sitting there and drinking beer. And I just thought, I just want to like shove these people. <laughs> so, so to me, like it's an outlet for the insanity it's an it's such incredible fun. It allows me to get whatever out without having to, you know, get inebriated. Mm -hmm. Um and so, you know, recently me and a friend have started an organization, Mind X Grind. He's also a therapist. He actually met me through Bandit. And then <laughs> he he said, uh he told me he used to work at a rehab that I was a patient at. So, mm. and we started like a mental health resource for people in the metal and hardcore community. And, um, yeah, it's funny. Like, so I started my first therapy job in August. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, the woman I work for helped me get sober. So I've known her a long time. Okay. So I went in, I was like, all right, I want to be, I want to be like very discreet about mm -hmm. being in this band because like you never know how people will react. Yeah, and there's like I a perception thing there too. Exactly. And I, I was meeting with my first client 
And it was, it, you know, it was going okay. And then 10 minutes in, my boss comes in and says, did he tell you about his band? <laughs> this guy's a rocker, dude. You should see the pictures. He takes oh, his no. shirt off. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so, and what's what's really interesting is so um, starting in the winter, I started doing like private Zoom counseling sessions. Mm-hmm. And I would say more than half of my clients are people in the metal and hardcore scene. And a lot of them are in bands and are just like, I'm so frustrated right now. We can't play shows. We can't go on tour. And I feel like uniquely qualified to work with them. Cause like, yeah. you, you know, we'll talk about like scene politics. We'll talk about like, you know, the struggles of getting a band together or recording a demo mm-hmm. and, and like, you know, I don't think your average therapist is going to have like insight and knowledge into that process. It's so specific. Like you just yeah. said, talking scene politics. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> well, like, I, I don't. I, I'm going to try to not break confidentiality, but like, okay, the, I, I have a, you know, I have a client who said he wants to start promoting his band, but he's worried about like stuff like cancel culture Mm. and whether like, you know, decades old tweets will come back to like haunt him or hurt his band. And so like, and like, you know, I've experienced some similar situations like that. And so I was like, I could really like coach him through it. Where like a general therapist would be like, well, just just love yourself. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I uh, and, you you weren't here for this last week at the mic, but at the mic I was riffing. I was like, I need a therapist who has already made it in comedy so yeah. they can know what I'm talking about. Like exactly. Exactly. And like, you know, a lot of these people will say, oh, I reached out to you because you are in a band and, and I love your music. And, you know, I have clients who just say that like there's there's something different about someone who gets into that kind of music yeah that an outsider wouldn't necessarily understand absolutely and so so when like a client tells me that it like i have some clients that we speak the whole time about music Mm -hmm. and it's because i understand how important it is to them right you know that makes so much sense and i i think like I don't know what your age range is on your clients or whatever, but I know that like if I had like a therapist in high school who knew the bands I was listening to and like kind of the vibe of why I was listening to them, it would be like such an easier connection. Yes. Be like, have you thought that you're listening to Just Immortal right now because <laughs> yeah, you're yeah, like yeah, yeah, super yeah. lonely and your life is really cold or something? Like, yeah. oh, it makes sense. Like, <laughs> I. And I think one thing that is hard about therapists is like, I last year, a couple of years ago, I was looking for a therapist, like kind of when I got to New York and I was looking through them and I kind of immediately went, I don't want a dude therapist because mm-hmm. I know dudes are full of shit. But <laughs> yeah. in my mind, what I kind of realized is like, it's not just that it's like that coming from a place of like being into comedy and like being into metal and like all sorts of weird fringe stuff. Like to me, art is art and expression is expression. It's all valid. 
And I feel like a lot of like kind of normal, like corporate people don't see that world and understand it. Like it's like the people who hear you're really into metal and they go, Oh, I don't know. I can listen to that angry, hateful. It's all about the devil and stuff. It's like, no, no, no. It's, that's not what's going on here. You know? Exactly. And, and I think it means a lot. Like I said, like to, to, you know, really approach it with like, I, I understand how much this means to people because it means so much to me and in a way like especially right now with everything going on like it's it's all we have yeah and so like if a guy wants to talk to me for 58 minutes about gore grind then (laughs) fuck yeah dude let's do it whereas like other therapists would be like okay that's great and all but let's talk about your childhood and blah 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 blah. right and, you know, from from those conversations, I'll try to make some connections and stuff, but it, it's just a really great way to, like, validate someone. Yeah, you're, like, really meeting them kind of where they're at. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. here's what's on my mind. Here's how I feel about what's on my mind. And then you can actually see both halves of that. Yes, exactly. That's super cool. I think, I don't know. I, like, it's so, it's so bizarre because I would have never imagined a therapist would ever exist that is also in a grindcore band. Like, I don't I think, know. I think you're like, you're probably like a world first speed run of that. Like you're definitely <laughs> yeah. a completely unique case. I don't know. No, you know, what's weird is at my job are the clients I have who don't know that, <laughs> <laughs> which is fine. Like I, you know, we, we have great relationships too. get a lot out of that work. But there is part of me that's like, you do know that I like vomit on people. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know, They're like I'm just feeling a lot of like frustration right now. And you're yeah. like, well, have you tried hitting your head with a microphone? Exactly. Like... <laughs> exactly. Have you tried punching a hole in yeah. any wall? Just pick a yeah. wall. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's I don't know. It's cool. And like I, I do have some clients who are just making uh, you know making music in general and mm-hmm. i know that struggle know yeah. that you know so it's that's fun. interesting yeah. is there is there a genre of music that you feel you connect with outside of metal and punk is there like a similar scene or a similar any type of vibe that you kind of gravitate towards outside of grindcore and metal so um like i said my my favorite band of all time is primus who mm-hmm kind of play like funk metal weird it's like Um, weirdo metal (laughs) yeah there's there's no there's no like i don't really go to shows outside of those two scenes unless it's like to support a friend but i really like um First of all, I like anything weird and bizarre. Like mm-hmm. I, I really like this subgenre no wave from the 80s. Huh. It's like Swans, um, early Sonic Youth, Teenage okay. Jesus and the Jerks. It's like really dark funk. Uh it's nihilistic, mm-hmm. but it's like kind of groovy. Yeah. Um, and then I really love classic rock, and I will go through like I go through these like obsessive fate, like a couple of weeks ago, I was, I just only listened to the B 52s <laughs> and they, they're like, 
they have this album. I think it's called Wild Planet. Mm-hmm. It's their second album. And I was just like, this is so underappreciated. This is amazing. I love every aspect of it. And I would watch <laughs> like band interviews and all this shit. Um, and then when when I was uh, addicted to Adderall, I was recording a lot of music. And I would do the same thing where I would just like for a month, I'd be really into like disco. Yeah. Or like I got really into like drum and fife blues. <laughs> <laughs> I um, but there's not a single genre. I would say mm-hmm. like if there was even though it's kind of within the realm of metals, like avant garde, weird stuff, Primus, Mr. Bungle, Buckethead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nuclear rabbit, uh, bunch of anything weird. Yeah, I will. I will listen to. That's um, fair. Yeah, I feel that. You know, what I always wonder about like, like what you were saying about the B fifty twos. When you listen to some album that's completely out of your normal genre, mm-hmm. and you go, "This is incredible." I often wonder if non metalheads feel the same way because metalheads listen to music with such ferocity and yes. such attention to detail that yeah. like. I like I will listen to like weird soft music and I'll just be like this slaps. I don't yeah, know what's yeah, going on and yeah. like I always joke like I don't I'm really glad like that I opened my mind to other types of music since I was like younger mm-hmm. cuz I would have never allowed myself to like things like 100 Gex or yeah, like yeah. MIA or just yeah. like w- other weird not metal at all shit but like going so hard in metal then i come back to other genres and i go oh my god this is like soft but also like immaculate like yeah. the way they put this together <laughs> well i have noticed that a lot of people put emphasis on the lyrics yeah and i don't i for mm-hmm. me like the lyrics are an afterthought it's like what is the vibe what is the mood um i oh i I forgot to mention, I do really love funk music. I'm a yeah. sucker for funk. <laughs> um, and yet, like, that's like, even with a band like the B-52s, people are mm-hmm. like, oh, this is just a song about a lobster. Yeah. And I'm like, that's only like 5% of what's going on here. Yeah. You know? And, and, and like, but most people just can't get past that. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's like it's the vibe. It's what the music set like the music should say whatever the song has to say without the lyrics even being considered. Absolutely. I always think it's funny. Like there was there's like you always see sometimes like Cannibal Corpse lyrics reactions yeah. and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And with like bands like that, it's just like you said, like. I don't even know the lyrics. Yeah. I don't even listen to the lyrics. It's all just a part of the vibe of exactly. the song. Exactly. It, and I always tell people is like the best thing about metal is it's all theatrics. Exactly. The, the scariest band you can imagine. It's all the- theatrics. Yeah. It's just yeah. wrestling. That's it. Yep. It's just like it's goofy. It's fun. And they just want it to sound scary. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's that's that's the perfect way of putting it because like. I'll never forget, I added Blake from Pig Destroyer on Mm -hmm. Facebook. This was like two or three years ago. And Pig Destroyer have some really fucking dark albums that are just like, they're just dark and depressing and all this shit. 
And the first thing I saw him post was that he was selling his Beanie Baby collection. (laughs) (laughs) And it was like the illusion shattered before my eyes. (laughs) I would have, I would like a lot of times have people see me, like I would come to like open mics after work and I'd be like dressed up for like work or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I come to open mics and end up riffing about some crazy like metal thing or something like super weird and off the wall. And people like, you don't look like you're into yeah. that. I'm like, well, what yeah. does someone that's into that look like? You know, it's kind of the yeah. same thing. It's just like the perception. It's like, I don't know. You just find weird shit and you just love it and yeah. get into it. Exactly. It's not so much about what I look like, says what I listen to. It's my emotional state. It's, it's the, the hate up here in your head. <laughs> it is the perpetual frustration. <laughs> I used to think, I realized probably when I was like 24, I was like, oh, if I had just played football in high school, I probably never would have gone into a mosh pit because yeah. I would have gotten all of my aggression out a different way. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think, you know, metal, it, it does like appeal to people who feel like they don't fit in anywhere. Yeah. You know? And that's like kind of why we started this, this mental health thing was like, you know, a lot of those people have like undiagnosed, you know, cognitive disorders or whatever. And like metal is like a haven for them to like feel welcome or just to at least just let it all out. Yeah. And I, I always say, I tell everyone this, is I believe there's a metal for everybody. Yes. Like, whether you're a metal head or not, there is some type of metal that will get you in a mood that you can appreciate. And that's mm-hmm. one of the things I love it as, like, a very broad blanket genre, is I'm yeah. like, okay, you didn't like when we listened to Bandit, but <laughs> I bet you you're going to love Pelican or yes, something like that, you yes. know? Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's so broad and it just kept like there's so many moods. It's not all just hate and dying and murder. Yeah. I, I, oh my God, this is ridiculous. I was in like, I had a car accident a few years ago mm-hmm. and I was totally fine physically, but like I was really shaken up. Like I had like really bad anxiety. And I remember listening to Insomnium Winter's Gate and, cr- <laughs> and crying at one of the riffs because I was like, oh, it's so heavy. And I'm like, I definitely know this is a byproduct of like my like trauma mixing mm-hmm. with this right now, but like mm-hmm. this is such a vibe. Like yeah. I am crying to death metal right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. And That's not even like amazing. a sad way. It was like one of those like, wow, life is beautiful type cry. <laughs> yeah, a happy cry. <laughs> exactly. <A> happy cry. <laughs> Hell yeah. Awesome. Well, we're down to our last like 10 minutes here. Um, okay. And this is a question I kind of ask. I kind of ask everybody at the end of their episode. Do you feel like in your journey through your your music and your comedy and your 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 career in therapy, do you think there's some lesson or some message you tell yourself to keep at it or stick through it? Do you have like a reoccurring theme in your life? Whew. So like uh <laughs> Are you asking, do, do I have a reason for not quitting? I, I guess so, yeah. Do you have a reason for not quitting, or do you have something that like pushes you forward or keeps you always thinking about it? So I was thinking about this the other night, was what is like, you know, what is the overall thesis to everything I do? Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, which is a really tough thing for anyone to say, right? Yeah. Um, but I think for me, it's, I just want people to stop lying to themselves Mm -hmm. and to be honest and accept themselves. Yeah. And I do that by basically doing that in public Mm -hmm. and showing them that like, this is what a human being looks like. And it's not, it's like, it's not something to be afraid of. It, it's, it's, I, what am I trying to say here? It's something raw and genuine and real and it's liberating, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's what I feel like I do with my therapy is I get, cause so much of therapy is about really being honest and getting in touch with yourself that's what the band is. Like when I perform with Bandit, I show a side of me that just really cannot come out in any other context. When I write the lyrics, I let out the like darkness in me that I, I really don't feel comfortable releasing in any other context. And then in the comedy, I feel like in a weird way is getting out some of the anger and frustration that I don't feel like would be appropriate in any other context. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, in all three of those things, it's like, like, you know, we're so terrified of, the, of who we truly are. Right. And we spend so much of our lives like running and, you know, oh, well, I'm going to get this job so that people perceive me in this certain way, or I'm going to marry this person so that I can have a family because that's what my parents want for me. And it's like, just, just be real and just be like in touch and be who you are and, and be genuine. And there's nothing, there's nothing to fear from that. Yeah. So (laughs) is that an answer? I don't know. I love that. I think, I think that's great. And I think, I think you're really like said really well. I think especially through like music and like a lot in metal, it's just there's this like you just you can be yourself and mm-hmm. metalheads aren't the same person across the board. It's like everyone's different and but you have a place for that expression of like exactly. just that intensity and like blowing off that steam, you know? Mm-hmm. And it I think it's funny. I'm just imagining you like you like portioning out all your anger. It's like, okay, you go to the yeah. show. Yeah. And you yeah, go to comedy. Yeah. yeah, yeah you yeah, go yeah. to the jokes. You go to wall punching. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I, I don't, it's, you know, like I said, it's been a year since mm-hmm. I performed with band bandit. I haven't performed comedy since I went to your mic. No shit. And oh my gosh. Only because I was like, you know, I, I, I work with, people and i was like like i i I was like i can't i can't like risk exposing myself oh true so you know and i did love your mic um (laughs) and yeah no i i mean it's been it's been hard it's been hard to get that release Mm -hmm. you know um the podcast has been great you know doing shit like this but 
Um, yeah, it's it's there's certain energies that we all have that have to come out in in certain ways or another. And for me, it's it's playing with the band, and sometimes it's doing stand up. Yeah, I I super agree. I think yeah. this this winter has been so hard because yeah. we can't tell jokes unless we want to freeze our asses off or <sighs> do it over Zoom. It's not the same. I'm like mm-hmm. I'm like it's been three months and I haven't had the thing that I like to do the most. You know? Oh, no, <laughs> I know. Dude, at, at work, my boss was like, so what's everyone been up to? And, and my coworker was like, I've been doing puzzles. <laughs> and that just, I don't know why that just pissed me off so bad. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, you, wanted to, you just want to do fucking puzzles the rest of your life. <laughs> P- puzzles are great though. I got a, they're pretty cool. It's therapeutic. <laughs> yeah, very therapeutic. I just like last week we had, you know, like 19 inches of snow mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in New York City. I shoveled our whole backyard here so we could have the mic. That's how desperate I was. Wow. And we don't even have a snow shovel. We just have like a square like dirt oh. shovel. And I was like, I am going all in because I want to tell jokes today. And we yeah. had we had 20 people show up. That's in cool. like snowy, cold ass weather, like toes falling off cold. Wow. <laughs> wow. It's Damn. crazy. It's it's so needed. I I'm just so ready. I think like comedy, obviously, when things warm up, comedy is gonna go nuts for outdoor comedy. Mm-hmm. But I think everyone still misses music and like Absolutely. live music. And the only people who can do music right now are like singer songwriters or like yep. low key solo things because you can fit that on a rooftop and the cops won't get called you know exactly <laughs> exactly now i uh i feel like when all this does come back people shows are like you know and i was talking to jack about this like i would take it for granted you know yeah like a band would be playing down the street from me and i'd be like it's cold <laughs> you know but now it's like oh yeah i'll go i don't care i don't care what band like, let's go let's go let's go 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 exactly i i just i miss going to a show alone and drinking a tall boy pbr in the corner by myself because i don't know anybody hell yeah baby <laughs> hell yeah that's what i'm talking about fuck yeah and it's funny uh like through when you post old photos of your shows on Instagram. And like, I see like other like live show photos from other bands. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you're, you, you guys remember proximity to other human beings. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh you guys remember God. being in a room watching music that you love, but it's so hot and sweaty and mm-hmm. tight. You can't even move. Like mm-hmm. everyone's uh, just breathing on each other. Yeah. And you can Maskless. like having someone stand behind you with beer burps and you can smell it because they're so uh, close. <laughs> there's some about like a like a sweaty beer soaked basement that just smells like power violence to me. I know, right? You know? <laughs> oh, I just I miss that smell. Oh. I, I'm like it it's so funny because I remember specifically the smell of like crust punks, like unshowered, yes. sweat, beer, a little bit of cigarettes, maybe a little bit of weed, just that yeah. show funk. Oh. I have not smelled that in like a year and a half. And there was like 
one time I walked by someone on the street and I was like, whoa, there's yeah. like all of my memories. He smells like all these crazy things. <laughs> oh, man, man. Oh, amazing. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, when things kind of open up, I would love to come see you guys perform for Hell sure. Yeah. I I don't know how you perform in New York City or if that even happens or if there's real estate for that or what, but we we performed at St. Vitus a couple of times. We did a show at a bar uh that the night my grandmother passed away. I actually we that was an amazing experience. Um but yeah, oh, we played uh we played the silent barn and got banned cuz I <laughs> sliced my arm open with a knife. It was crazy. Woo! <laughs> had, had to go to the hospital yeah baby <laughs> holy shit that's yeah. grindcore baby yeah, yeah baby. <laughs> awesome well thank you so much for coming on yep this yep. was a blast love hearing all the crazy shit and <laughs> hell yeah hell yeah dude i'm all about it all about it i knew this would be fun like even when i started this podcast i was like i i'm gonna have gene meyer on sometime because he's got a lot of cool shit going on fuck yeah dude. <laughs> fuck yeah man and the other musicians, I've had two rappers, one battle rapper, and then one comedian who does shoegaze. And that's... Who is that? Allie Mason. Do you know her? Uh, the name sounds familiar. Yeah, she she's like... Uh, you, you'll, you'll see her around. But, okay. <laughs> but yeah, she does like shoegaze projects. We talked about that on that's the show. Cool. That's cool. So I was like, you're my first like metal... Yeah, like, baby! Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm yeah. talking about. Well, thanks again for coming on. Yep. This has been dope. Um, if you you guys, if you like Gene, check out War Porn Podcast. Listen to them review movies and yell at each other about yeah. things. <laughs> it's great. It's, it's great. a blast. Check out Bandit. Um, I don't know. Live in Philadelphia. Say hi to him. Yeah. <laughs> come come to Philly, the city of brotherly shove. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I love that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you guys for tuning in. This has been Don't Quit Your Day Job, and I will see you all next week. Woo. Bye.